The Missouri Film Office and the Missouri Motion Media Association is going virtual. Yeah, so the pandemic has changed how we do a lot of things, and especially that's true, especially for actors um, and talent directors and casting directors. Um, so they are offering a self tape 101. Yeah, this is a free workshop, and you don't even have to live in the Kansas City area to participate. No matter where you are, you can uh, take this workshop for free. Yeah, you'll get um, tips and te techniques to help actors navigate. Uh, Self-tapes and Zoom-style callbacks for commercial TV and film auditions. Um, it's free, again, uh, and just go to uh, Missouri Motion Media Association's website to register. It's on February 20th. And taking part in it will be Joni Tackett. She is a casting director as well as our friend and actress, Michelle Davidson. Yeah. They will be putting on uh, the workshop, and we have shared it on our Facebook page. Yep, yeah, so there you go. Okay, what's going on? What's happening? What are you telling me? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. It's time for the Pop Culture Connoisseurs, a gal and a gay podcast with Kitty. One time she punched me in the face. It was awesome. And Nick. He's the gay of my dreams. And they have this book, this burn book, where they write mean things about all the girls in our grade. What does it say about me? You're not in it. Those bitches. And here we are, episode 195 of A Gal and a Gay. We are the pop culture connoisseurs. I'm Mick. And I'm Kitty. Thanks for joining us. And in this episode, we are actually going to have a really cool conversation with a Kansas City area filmmaker about his new film that comes out here just in a couple of days. Uh, the movie's called uh, Bobby Joe Under the Influence, and it's uh, basically one woman's journey, journey through addiction and, and everything she's gone through while she was addicted um, and how she's kind of uh, turned that into this amazing thing where she's helping people in the Kansas City area, um, you know, overcome their addiction and get their lives back on track. And it's, it's really inspiring. And she, um, she started a, a program called Healing House. And um, it's just, it tells her story and um, how she is helping other people in the Kansas City community. And it's, it's really inspiring and, and really a really um, amazing story. Yeah. And, and we'll get to that in, uh, in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to start with uh, what we're watching right now. Right. So, uh, Kitty, what, uh, what did you just finish watching? Well, I just finished the fourth and final season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, I was underwhelmed. <laughs> um, the show, you know, it started so well and then it went full Riverdale because it's from the same cr creators and it was just too much going on and a lot of things that were unnecessary in my opinion. Um, I just feel, you know, it really went off the rails, especially after season three. So there were a few shining moments. Um, I really wish that they, I really wish that we could have gotten more about literally anybody but Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina's character is really irritating. I mean, and I know she's supposed to be a teenager, but there's just things that she does that is just makes me angry. Um, maybe I'm too old for this show now. I don't know, but you know, her cousin Ambrose is way more interesting. Her aunts are way more interesting. I mean, even people like Prudence and uh, even Father Blackwood and everybody and Lilith, like it just, it oh, makes Lilith. They have these great actors playing these great characters and these characters get pushed to the side and really have nothing to do. Like Lilith has nothing to do. 
Lucifer has nothing to do. Like for the first two seasons, he is, you know, the big bad. And then the last two, he's basically barely in it. And he's just kind of easily defeatable. And it's just, and the whole monsters this season are the Eldritch Terrors, which are supposed to be these big cosmic things that predate everything and are supposed to be, but they're incredibly easy to beat apparently. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot. I mean, it was hard for me to get into it the first few episodes, um, but I stuck with it because I was like, I'm going to finish it just because I, I have. And it gets better. And I would say the third, the last episode, there are some callbacks to the original Sabrina. Um, and I, I want to say I actually enjoyed that episode a lot because it had a lot of meta humor and it's just, it was it was kind of fun. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we we only made it about halfway through this final season. We haven't finished it yet, and and we we've said this about many shows and movies that we have seen. They had all the ingredients, yes, but I think they were they were so boxed in because it had to be Sabrina, the teenage witch kind of thing. If they had just put this together without calling it Sabrina you know and 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 there for the first couple seasons they really did try to break away from her a little bit and we got to learn more about her friends which really I think helped the series especially in season two but like you mentioned once they got to about the middle of season three it was oh boy we have gone down a path that I don't think they're there's there's no course correct just a lot of here. nonsensical things but also a lot of plot holes and inconsistencies um that suffer from a show i think that just throws a lot of ideas out and see what sticks and that's basically what happened in riverdale as well is why i stopped watching riverdale because it got too crazy and too much um i really enjoyed the first season of riverdale but after season two i just couldn't do it anymore because it was just too crazy i think mm-hmm. <laughs> too much going on so and, and I, I feel like a lot of the stuff in season four of Sabrina that was just felt rushed and incomplete. And there's a lot of characters where it's like, why do we even introduce this character? I don't know. There's just like a lot of little things like that where they obviously didn't know how to wrap it up. And so they just ended it. So it's just very, you know, it's hard to yep. digest uh, it. <laughs> and another, another Netflix series that fell victim to that because Netflix was like, season four is going to be it. Whether they learned about that before they started season three but you know a lot of these series now and netflix you know has a has a history of doing this and it really affects the end product i agree i agree absolutely and i think i've read that they didn't know um until season four like while i think while they were shooting season four right before season four they found out that would be the last one so i think you can tell that it was pretty much let's try and rush it or try to end it the way we had planned to but just in a shorter amount of time. I don't know, it just, it just felt a little rushed. And um, yeah, it just, I don't know, I'm really disappointed. But there's so many great things about it too. Like there's a lot of really great actors on the show and a lot of the characters are fun and the set design and the costumes, like it's all really good, but it's just the writing and the plot that really makes it suffer, so. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I will tell you one show that you will not suffer through and that is RuPaul's Drag Race we talked before we started recording the podcast and we just recently started watching it from season five. I, we'd been told that season five was start, one starting to be where it got really strong and we started it. We're now on season seven and it, it doesn't disappoint. And it, it, 
this is a weird comparison, but it does sort of remind me of the Great British Bake Off or baking show or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it. This is it's easy to watch. There is, I mean, there's more drama in the drag queen, uh, the drag race than there is in the, the the baking show, but it's just it's it's e- it's just so easy to watch. It's not typical reality show, and you get to see like friendships that develop between the the contestants. And I mean, sometimes it doesn't happen, but for the most part, it's like they're growing. You can see from the first episode to their final episode that they have, they have grown. And the key to the, to each season is RuPaul. Uh, It's not the contestants make up. I mean, obviously they really make up the show, but it's RuPaul that is the glue that keeps everything together. And it's just so well done. And it's, again, it's fun to watch. It's easy to watch. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of us are struggling right now because it's like, I don't want all necessarily doom and gloom since we're living in a world that I feel like that's all we're, that's thrown in our face. And this is just, this is just one of those shows that it's just, I think, um, again, we were surprised by how much we enjoyed it. No, see, I, I mean, that's great. Like, I again, I've heard so many great things about Drag Race and people who love it, love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I'll check out, um, you yeah. know. And, and you don't have to know anything about drag at all because that's not what it's about. Like, that's the great thing. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just about, I don't know. I think, I think you'd enjoy it. So add that to your long, 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 long list. I know, <laughs> so many <laughs> So many um, things to watch, so. I know, and especially with the documentaries that are out right now. I think a lot of people are finding documentaries now more than ever because they feel like they've been, you know, they've been um, watching so much stuff on streaming, no matter which platform you're on. It's like, ah, I've watched that series or, you know, um, the docs are now really starting to, uh, to catch on. I think. Right. I mean, case in point, the Britney doc- documentary that just came out that everyone's been watching. Um, we were planning on talking about that, but I watched it and I enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, it was, I thought it was very well done. So, and I know everybody's talking about it, but um, yeah, I think documentaries are making a comeback and that's, um, you know, we just talked to some filmmakers about a local documentary. We mentioned it earlier, um, Bobby Joe, Under the Influence. Um, and documentaries are just a great way to tell stories, especially when it's a really good story, uplifting story. And, and you'll hear um, one of the, the woman who is at the center of this uh, documentary, Bobby Joe. she has an amazing story and she is just an amazing person. And so when you focus on people like that, it's very easy. <laughs> I think, well, easy is maybe not the right word, but it is it comes together so well. It's, it's, it's one of the things that make documentaries shine, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing the story about how it all even started. Right. And so I guess without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get to our conversation uh, with the filmmakers, Brent Jones and his producing partner, also his wife, uh, Donna Jones, and the Kansas City area woman um, whose story started all of this and uh and here you go 
All right, well, now we are joined by three very important people for this documentary, including, uh, including Bobby Joe, but we're also joined by Brent and Donna Jones. And guys, I think I, I really wanna start with, with you guys about how you found Bobby Joe and her story and you know, kind of talk about you know, what it took to make this documentary. I heard Bobby Joe speaking at a church about a mile from my house. She was doing her testimony and uh, it started off and I'm just kind of hanging out there and I just proceeded to lean into it and just go, you got to be kidding me. I can't, I can't believe where this story's going. And it just kept snowballing and snowballing and getting, you know, uh, more detailed and, and more interesting. And, and it was a journey that I'd never been on. You know, it's, it was like, this is amazing. You know, this is a, a, a redemption story like I've never heard and you know the things that Bobby Joe's been through were you know horrific and how she came through it and what she's doing now and how she rose up and 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 fights a good fight for other people every day I just you know after afterwards everyone was blown away in the audience and I went up to Bobby Joe and I said I, I gotta meet I've gotta put you on camera would you would you be interested in doing a little clip for me and we'll see if we can make a movie about you and she was like oh sure honey let's you know sounds good to me and she gave me her book and i went home and i told donna i, I said i met this amazing woman who has this amazing life and we read her book and and you know it took us a while because we were going to try to do some other things but i was like we gotta we've gotta go put her on camera so we went down to healing house and we put her on camera for about three hours. We, we, we hung out with her for like three hours and she was just as vibrant and full of enthusiasm. And, and, and it was amazing what she was, it was even more interesting what she was telling us as I was asking the questions. And um, then we brought it home, put it in the editing room, cut together a three minute piece. And it was like, we've got something here. We've got to, we've got to make a documentary about this. And um, my original plan was to pitch a movie but I just went for the real thing. You know, the documentary just propelled us. It, it just had, it got some momentum going and we couldn't stop. So Bobby, you've been interviewed many times. And I, I mentioned before we started the podcast, when I was a news reporter, I'd, I'd interviewed you a couple of times. You probably had heard this before. I mean, news stories are a lot shorter than a documentary, but what did you think when Brent approached you about actually doing, you know, a full documentary on your story? Um, I was excited. Uh, I had, we, years ago, a fellow came to me and said he wanted to write a book about my life. Well, that fell through. And then eventually uh, I wrote a book with a ghostwriter and some people came to me and said, we really want your story to get out there. And so they paid for everything and we got the book published and uh, the book was very popular. And then when Brent approached me, I was, I was, I mean, so excited, floored, but the, really the incentive for me is not for me to gain any popularity. It's really about uh, the grace of God and what he can do in people's lives. And uh, I thought, man, this might be able to help somebody, you know, reading a book, not everybody reads, but everybody can watch a documentary and I thought this is going to help so many people and that's where my heart is to give people hope so I was excited and it was a cool process too and you know I gained a cool documentary but I got some awesome friends out of the deal the whole filming crew were amazing and we just became this family people have asked 
was it uncomfortable having somebody film you? And I'm like, no, it just felt like they're part of our family. So it was, uh, and I gained some great friends. And Brent, I don't think a lot of people understand what it actually takes to produce a documentary. It's not like you're just, you know, you're there for a couple hours. I mean, this, this takes a while. Yeah. yeah sorry, you cut out there for a second, but yeah, it's a, it's a long process. Listen, I didn't need, I didn't know how long it took. I, I'm, I come from doing television commercials and we go into production and uh, it takes, and you know, it takes, a month you know to prep and shoot and cut and you're done and i've done movies which take a long time but i was just on a on a you know on the crew so you know if we did three months four months like the longest movie i worked on was four months and then you're you're off to the next movie um we just dove into this thing and it was um it grew and grew and grew we've been living it for about a year and a half and um there's a lot to it i mean when you do 25 or 30 interviews, you have to sift through all of that. And we have transcripts from every interview and we go through there and highlight everything, you know, times 25. So I do, you know, two in a weekend and, and then go shoot and then do two more. Donna was in there digging through them. We were all digging through trying to find the best sound bites. And, and uh, we had editor, three editors working around the clock, not around the clock, but you know, 10 hours a day five days a week and we wanted them to work on the weekends but you know it was um, a lot of people in Kansas City came together we didn't have much of a budget so we weren't paying people a whole lot of money and they were working really really hard because they really liked the project um, but if you're going to jump into one of these things you better be prepared to, to uh, not just have a battle it's a, it's a it, it's a long process it's a marathon but it's a marathon but you know what it, it this project wasn't um, it just was so inspiring the whole time. It inspired us each and every day with the people that we were meeting and the, and the realizations we were having of, of what was going on at Healing House. I mean, what's going on down there is people are getting their lives back. They're getting a second chance. I mean, really, they're people that are on the edge are, are getting put back together again. You know, I mean, Bobby Joe and Healing House, the people there, it's like if a human being was a puzzle, pieces on the floor they pick up and put all those puzzles back pieces back together and restore them into human beings and they and I was watching that happen the hardest thing was all getting Brent it was uh was stop you have to stop shooting you 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 <laughs> you have to get to a place where you recognize okay I mean because you have to understand there is so much going on in Bobby Joe's world daily you know it's it's just nonstop. And so there's always something to capture. Um, there's interesting uh, people and interesting stories and there's so many of them. So I was the one who eventually had to say, hey, I think we got to kind of take a pause here. Let's take a look at the footage we have and let's try and, um, you know, let's, we can, we can round this out by um, meeting with the the Kansas City Police Department. And we went for some ride-alongs and, and spoke to some other people in the community, which is great. But at some point you do need to kind of put the brakes on. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, we might still be shooting if it was left up to me. And, uh, because we, you know, it was that, it was, we were having that much fun. So Donna's like, we gotta stop, stop, stop. And I go, well, I gotta go out and shoot this next thing. Let me go get some shots of downtown. 
Right. Maybe from the news world where that kind of stuff happens all the time, trustee. So like we understand, I understand that completely. Yeah. Especially when you meet someone like Bobby Joe, who is just amazing and has an amazing story to tell. And uh, or people even, you know, everybody in your documentary was had an amazing uh, yes. inspiring story. Yes. So it helps know. a lot if you love the people that are around you, you know, yes. and that, there's no doubt about it that I have a lot of love for everybody down in at Healing House and 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 that's that's from my heart you know it's it was they're amazing people and they're giving of their hearts and they're open and you when you're surrounded by that it's not work man it's it's just fun it's just fun and I'm get i got so much more out of it than anything else i've done in my life there's no doubt about it to this to this day so what kind of stories have you been hearing bobby from those who have already watched it the the thing that rings true almost with everyone is that it inspired them to want to help more people to do more in their life and i mean everybody i think that the folks uh the folks that have um addiction problems it's touching their heart and making them feel not so alone or isolated and um i family members it's helped them to let them know how far down the scale I had went and, and survived and came back through that. But mostly, I mean, for the general audience, people that are directly affected by addiction, it's stirring something up in them to want to do more in their life outside of just their little circle. You know, it's easy to love the people right in your circle, but what about doing more in our community? I think it opens up people's eyes to addiction and what it really is. You know, we've always, there's always been a stigmatism against uh, drug addicts or alcoholics. And you just hear those words and you automatically think of somebody, you know, laying on the side of the road, dirty and filthy. Guess what? I didn't choose all to get there, but I crossed the line at a very young age. You know, by the time I'm 13, I was an alcoholic and Nobody was noticing. My parents weren't noticing this going on or, you know, my house, if you didn't talk about it, it wasn't happening. And it got me out to some very dark, dark places. And um, I think, you know, God saved my life through all that mess so he could use me to do what I do today. And I have credibility with people that have addiction because I've walked in those shoes. Here's the really great news, though. I've never met anybody that was more screwed up than me. <laughs> so if I could get it, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> I got news for you, Bobby Joe. You got credibility with with everyone. Oh. I'm concerned, you know, but I mean, people can, I think more right. than addicts and alcoholics can, can relate to this story. I think anybody can relate to it, you know, that, 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 a way to uh, do your soul some good is to do somebody do good for somebody else. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the message that the powerful message, one of them in the film that, wow, if you're, if you're selfless and you give, uh, you know, if you're working towards helping other people, you really nourish your own soul. You know, you, you, you cleanse yourself by doing that. And uh, I think it, everyone sees that in you, Bobby Joe. I certainly do. 
Helping other people definitely 100% saved my life. And, you know, it's, it's when I think about it, I, I was telling on another interview, you know, I started out just giving people little hotel bars of soap and toothpaste and toothbrushes. And uh, I would sell baked goods at a flea market. And then I would take my leftovers and the hygiene products and go down to this detox. The detox that I spent five days in myself that didn't have anything to get washed up or anything. It, it was bad. And so I had a friend, she's passed away, but she told everybody for years, she had multiple years of sobriety. And she always said, Bobby Joe saved my life with the chocolate chip cookie. And she meant that because I went down there on a Saturday with my hygiene products and some baked goods that were left from selling. And I sat on her bed and her face was all beat up and her eyes were swollen shut. And I sat on her bed and I held her hand and I told her what had been happening with me and how I was staying sober. And she just couldn't believe that somebody came to her bedside and gave her some homemade cookies and sat there and talked to her and told her that I loved her. See, just little things we do, you know, and I did that for a while and it made me feel so good. But then guess what? It just became the next right thing to do. And it became part of my life. And I've been doing that ever since. I don't fix cookies as often as I used to. <laughs> and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Bobby, what was it like watching the documentary for the first time? Um, amazing. They did such a great job. And I think, you know, uh, the mission, I think the heart of Healing House comes through in my heart. Um, it's it's got more difficult for me now, uh, the loss of Mama Judy. Um, I seen the very end clip on another interview we were doing and it just, uh, it made me cry, honestly, because I miss her so much. She was, um, you know, my best friend, my ministry partner. She came in in six months of her coming into the healing house, she started helping me. And so we had been constant friends for nearly 20 years. And uh, she was my right arm and we lost her last March. And while well, she was diagnosed with cancer the day after Christmas and uh, we lost her about two months later. And uh, it was heartbreaking for me, but you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, of course, her doing her little dance. That that was just her spirit. But me and her sitting in our living room, just going back and forth and, and sharing. Because you know what? The work we do can, man, it can break your heart. It can really break your heart because you're talking to people that are coming in and they're at the lowest point of their life and they've been traumatized and they've had all these things going on. And so with me and Mama Judy, we could go through a day. Sometimes we have to go to funerals or get money together to have somebody cremated because they didn't make it and they don't have anybody else but us. But my, me and Mama Judy's uh, relationship, we could bounce things off one another and get rid, release some of that pain that we were experiencing, some of that grief. And we'd always end up laughing. We always got a good belly laugh every day, me and Mama Judy doing something stupid, you know, but we needed that as part of our life to deal with the things that we were dealing with on a daily basis. I hope that made sense. 
Absolutely. <laughs> and we were running other sounding boards. Who is your sounding board now? You can hear my dog in the background. <laughs> and they really want me to shut up sometimes. Um, uh, <laughs> we had another roommate uh, that works at Healing House. Uh, she's our grant writer. She was living here with us. So we have an apartment downstairs in our house. And so Becca lives there. So me and Becca have, have grew very close. And, um, you know, the thing is, we really operate as a big family. So we work together. We live together. She has her own space, which is really great. But uh, she, me and her, we have got very close. We spent a lot of time at our pool in our backyard last year, just talking and reflecting about stuff. So she's got a heart for the ministry. And uh, so we, we do good together. But I miss my buddy desperately. But I know I'll be with her again. And I what has the last year been like? Um, <laughs> what has the last year been like? Me? <laughs> the last year? The year's the healing house, just with the pandemic. Has it changed anything? Like, have you sure. seen like, this has to be a really difficult, I mean, it's a difficult time for people, you know, and then if you throw an addiction on top of that. It was really, it's been a difficult year. So Mama Judy passed and then the pandemic hit that same week. And so things got very strange. Um, we, you know, we live in community settings. And so right away, I started thinking, okay, what do we need to do to ensure everybody's safety? And so we, I came up with a bunch of policies and procedures. Uh, the CDC started making recommendations, but us living in community makes it really difficult. So the first thing we did is that we couldn't start meet, we had to stop meeting as a group. And that was unfortunate because there was a couple hundred of us, right? And we go down and eat dinner at five o'clock. And then at six o'clock, we either have a Bible study or a meeting or something, family game night. So we're very much, even though there's 200 adults and kind of scattered in the neighborhood, we still would all come together. So I thought, boy, this is really going to hurt people. And something happened quite opposite of that. So what I started hearing is the people that were in the houses were now getting the opportunity to, to bond more. And so they were making great friends in each house. So it, each house became its really own little community. And people said, you know, I've never had a friend like this. I, I feel like I'm so close to everybody in the house. And uh, so we did that. Um, the shelters in Kansas City, a lot of them closed down and there wasn't anywhere for people to go. Uh, we never stopped serving people, not one day. We were getting ready to open up a gym. And I, I said, you know what, let's postpone the gym and make this like a triage for people. So we don't just put people coming in right into one of our houses that could affect everybody. So we started this like triage center that people spent, you know, 48 to 72 hours in to make sure that they weren't sick before they went to the houses. So, you know what, that's one thing about people with addictions, we are, we can adapt to almost anything, very resilient. 
And so uh, we helped 1,100 people this year. That's how over 1,100 people we served this year. And I believe uh, we've had 22 cases of COVID out of 1,100 people. And those were mostly people that got it at their job and brought it home. And uh, their jobs were not the jobs were not telling people properly because they didn't want their business to close down. And unfortunately, some of the fellows brought it back to us. So, but we've just um, kept rolling with it. You know, we keep the doors open, we keep helping people. And, uh, you know, we wear masks in the house, we sanitize, we have sanitized stations. Um, so we're very, we've done very well through the whole thing, I believe. Oh, that's great. Um, so is this year's 20 years since you first bought the first house, correct? Yes. So is this, when you look back, can you believe how far you've come since then? And, and you know, here it is 20 years later. Now you have a movie about yourself. How does it, you know, it's it blows cool. my mind. Uh, it, blows, <laughs> it blows my mind. Honestly, I would never, a couple years ago, I had some of the staff put a little booklet together for our open house and when I got that booklet, I started looking, I'm like, wow, when did all this happen? You know, I'm neck deep in the work all the time. And when it was in black and white and in that booklet, I thought, this is just amazing. I couldn't, you know what? I couldn't have dreamed this up even. There's no way I could have imagined what has happened that it could even be a reality for me, but it is. Awesome. That's, that's why... You know, as a filmmaker, all of the things that were going on down there, there was an endless supply of things to document. It's because, I mean, just the fact, we have two daughters, and that's, you know, that, that can be rough at times. Well, Bobby Joe has 200 adults and 34 kids. And <laughs> when I think about that, uh, and you just you just think in your mind, how is she managing to, to, to oversee all of that? And it it just boggles the mind and it, it and it's happening and it's and they're doing well and people are getting better and people are getting their lives back and it's you know it's a it's a community that's thriving and this problem is all over the country i was talking to a friend of mine this morning from los angeles and he said there's people living under the freeway and homeless people all over the place and this is this is what i saw here is something that works something that's working in this city. And it's, and it really, if there was one word for it, it's love and it's, and it's, and a lot of hard work and having some empathy for some people who are struggling. And there's a lot of that going on. And when I started to see what was happening with Bobby Joe and how she, and how Healing House was mending people, you know, bringing people back to life, getting them back into the stream of life, getting their families back, getting jobs back, you know, and, you know, it's really happening and it's a way, it's a way forward. You know, we, as a community, our communities all need to rally together and, and help these people because this shouldn't be happening. You know, we can't just, just, just have disregard for people or just, I'm not going to deal with that. And that's kind of how I felt, I, I, you know, I got to do something, you know, and when, when somebody's, when you get around a lot of people that are doing something, you feel like doing something yourself. So I hope that that's the message in the film. Like you get that feeling, you'll, you'll go, wow, they're doing something. I can do something. We can solve this problem over the next, in these coming years, you know, we can get this problem solved or at least 
put it at bay. You know, we can save some lives, period. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a year and a half to name the house. People said, name it the St. John house. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Name it Bobby Joe's house. I'm like, no, that's not going to. But what I continue to see is people come in that physically they were in bad shape, but the physical got better. The spiritual got better. And so the God was really healing people. It wasn't like, here's just a place to live. God created a family-like atmosphere for people to really let their guard down and get vulnerable because we have to get vulnerable. We have to get to the root. And so he allowed that. And I could truly see people being healed from addiction and self-esteem and all the things that we think in our head um, and really coming back to life. And so, you know, what a lucky girl I am. I get to live around a bunch of miracles every day. (laughs) okay so uh so tell us i'm sorry go ahead brent i I was just saying you know i was just going to go on bragging about bobby joe some more (laughs) you know just i'd like to i'd like to say something i mean as a as a uh, woman being involved in this film you know it's it's interesting because what bobby joe was saying earlier is that there is a stigma around addiction and people that struggle with substance use. Um, and it is somewhat represented in, in film and, and there have been, you know, some good films made, but, you know, Bobby jo- and Bobby Joe's story. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard story to listen to. It's, it's hard to hear. And we've had, you know, some feedback of like, you know, why, and you just have to, people need to understand that the bravery and the courage that it takes Bobby Joe and these other people in the film to open up and to share this past, but they do so for the sole purpose of helping others. That is really the point. It is, it is not self-serving in any way because they understand, Bobby Joe understands the value of speaking her truth yes. to the point where she will shout it from the rooftops. There's no shame. There is no um, embarrassment. There's no room for that because Bobby Joe knows it will help somebody, even just one person and it's worth it. And so that I think really struck me being involved in this film, just being surrounded by that bravery and that courage and that, you know, un wavering determination to get this message out to help as many people as she can and that is what she's teaching all of the others there at healing house as well is like there don't be ashamed of this you are made perfectly and your purpose now is to turn around and to let somebody else know that there's help for them too and to help them out of the same situation and i just i was so affected and moved and it has changed me it has truly changed me and I hope that it um, has that effect on others as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, honey. Well, I can say that it definitely, that message comes across in the film. That's exactly, I mean, that's what I picked up from it. Just hearing these stories, I think, you know, for someone who hasn't struggled with something like that, to hear that, I do think it it, it brings a lot of empathy and understanding and, you know, just have compassion for people. And I think that's something, you know, we can all benefit from. So I think it's a beautiful film. You did a great job, both everybody. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you. Very inspirational. Yes. 
Okay, so how can uh, how can people uh, watch it? Well, we are have a wide release, which is so exciting. On um, February the sixteenth, we are releasing across all streaming platforms. You will be able to find the movie on Amazon Prime Video, iTunes, Google Play. And you'll also be able to see it on some on-demand platforms like Comcast and Dish Network and Verizon Fios. Um, we are, you can go to the, our website, which is www.thebobbyjoemovie.com. And you can find out all the information about the different platforms that we're gonna be on. Um, you know, talk about it, share share with us. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Come find us at The Bobby Joe Movie. Um, yeah, we're really excited. And Bobby Joe, how well, can people learn about Healing House? Uh, the, at healinghousekc.org is ours. Oh, yeah, kc.org, yes. And uh, a lot of information is on there. And we have lots of opportunities for people in the community as well to come in and get involved. So, uh, yeah, we'd love people to uh, get us up there. <laughs> great. Well, great. Well, thank you guys for uh, for taking some time today to talk with us awesome that's great thank you so much thank you so much yeah i hope you had fun this is kind of the best part of my day when i get to hang out with bobby joe and you got <laughs> good time okay there you go um again bobby joe she was such a joy to talk to and to watch in the series and brent and hearing brent and donna talk about how it started and you know and just how how many people and like how they became a family during it and everything it's just it's just truly inspirational um you know when you hear people who've gone through these really terrible things and and i think it i just i highly recommend everybody everybody see it it's it, i watched it it's very good um so yeah yeah there's a lot there that anyone can learn uh a lot from whether right. you face addiction uh, or not. So very, and, and again, we were talking about the power of documentaries and this is just one of those, those great right. examples. You know, it's, yeah. It's stuff like this that helps people understand somebody in life who you may not, you know, you may not suffer from addiction or know anybody who does, but seeing people who have overcome it and talk about their struggles. I mean, I think that that can help anybody, you know, compassion and kindness and empathy goes a long way. And we need a lot of that in our society right now. So um, yeah, so uh, the documentary comes out on the 16th, on February 16th, um, and you, you'll be able to um, rent it um, on various streaming platforms. You can find out more at, they mentioned it, but it's the bobbyjoemovie.com. We'll put a link on our Facebook page and in the body, in the text of this, um, uh, podcast episode and then if you want to learn more about healing house or even if you want to donate um you can go to healinghousekc.org um yeah so again it's just it was really it was really nice talking to her she's a phenomenal woman so i mean you know it's not it can't be easy to talk about that stuff so yeah anyway yeah anyway well again we we posted all the information on our facebook um, that is a gal and a gay um, on Facebook. And of course, you can always find it on our website as well. Great. All right. So um, until next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.